Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. Welcome, everybody, back to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. I am one of your co-hosts, Leah, and I am joined in the studio with our producer extraordinaire, Julia. Hello. And the number one co-host anyone could ever ask for, Miss Colette. You're too kind. Thank you. And we also have another special guest in the studio with us today. Colette, why don't you introduce her? We have Ariel, who is a licensed marriage family therapist, and she has been working with Waze since 2019 and seeing a lot of our clients and helping us through this crazy journey that we go through. So thank you for being here, Ariel. Thank you for having Absolutely. me and inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to just picking your brain a little bit and getting some insight from you so our listeners can kind of have some resources and um, maybe reach out to you themselves. Sounds like a plan. Yes, absolutely. So why don't you just tell us a little about who you, a little bit about who are you and what do you do? So yeah, I, as you said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been a therapist, gosh, for nine years now. Um, I've been in my own private practice since 2020, which was very complicated with the whole COVID thing, you know. But uh, I love my job and I love working with your organization. I also work with VOC or um, Cal Victims of Crime, okay. which is another kind of it's not a nonprofit, but it's through the state. Uh, they work with people who've been victims of a crime and have insurance oh, wow. through that. And they they kind of similar to your guys' organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for a while too. So I, I guess that's a little bit about me. I guess I could say who I work with. Um, I specialize in teenagers, okay, as well as anger management and. Um, kind of families and couples helping I feel like to coming out of the pandemic excuse me really focusing on families has been a big one as well as couples I feel like two teenagers are definitely the underdogs of surviving this pandemic and didn't really say much when we were going through it and then now coming out of it a lot is happening and a lot of families I think just need a lot of support to navigating that right so are you you're seeing a lot of post-covid oh my gosh yes oh yes Mm-hmm. I was I was actually thinking about that today about my own journey and how post COVID I'm a homebody and so during COVID I was like this is my life this is my thing <laughs> and then I've realized it did no good for me whatsoever mm-hmm. it's taken it kind of regressed me a bit mm-hmm. and so now I'm having to pick back up and start doing the work because yeah COVID took a hit right and like kind of what you're saying. If you think of teenagers, they got the opportunity to stay at home all day and not really do much because the telehealth or going online for school was chaotic in the beginning. And so I'm seeing all these teenagers now going off to college and they all kind of have the same like Peter Pan syndrome. Wow. Yeah. Where they're feeling like I lost two years of socialization. How how am I supposed to be 18 now going to college? So like the transitional stuff is is really heavy duty and it and I I just feel so bad cuz I have a feeling we're going to see this later mm-hmm. like in terms of what happened and the mental health of teenagers and why they're not doing as great right. or young adults yeah. so I you know I'm a I, little worried like yeah you to that point I 
had kind of thought while we were going through the pandemic that this is just going to cause a greater divide between the haves Mm -hmm. and the have nots. Yeah. Because you had parents who could work from home and help their kids with their schoolwork, who had access to internet in their homes versus kids who maybe their parents were essential workers working multiple jobs and didn't have that support at home. And then, yeah, you have these kids who are at pivotal ages um, where they're supposed to be learning what we would consider basic life skills like reading, writing, math, socialization, socialization. And yeah, that opportunity was taken away from them at such a critical time in their lives. But yeah, I I can definitely see us as a society having some long term repercussions from that. Absolutely. And And just sorry, go ahead. One thing I noticed, um, you know, during the pandemic, you know, right at the beginning too, you know, I was young 20 something, I think I was like 22 when it happened, when Mm -hmm. COVID happened. And for me, uh, me personally, what I've kind of seen is I feel like a lot of us were like, well, this is only temporary. Like I can kind of, my life can kind of be put on hold for the moment because this isn't, you know, we'll be, we'll be back to normal in no time. And then three years later, I'm like, (laughs) I never went back to what was put on hold. You know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't finish school. You know, it, it, it does completely throw you off, especially when you don't know what the outcome looks like. And you're like, well, you kind of are in this like frozen moment in time and you and then ha- realizing it's three years later and like, how do I move out of how that? How do I get unstuck? Yeah. 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 How unstuck. do I move forward now? Well, like, and then I was thinking about people who were in their mental health journeys at the time or someone like me where I wasn't I wasn't seeking mental health treatment at the time, which I should have been, but I was definitely working on coming out of cancer. I was stuck in my homebodiness. I was terrified to go out and about. I was terrified to do these things again and be independent. And I was coming back into that. And then COVID shut us down. And I was like, yay, I'm back in my homebody state and I don't have to go out and about. And it really really regressed me. Right. Could be very dangerous. Yeah. Like comfort in itself can lead to depression. Yes. And I don't think a lot of people see depression that way. Right. But I think that depression can be the most comfortable box that we stay in. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. And that, oh, that, right. It's that like very home. enabling. To mm-hmm. just cause right. And COVID, yeah. we had all excuses in the book not to leave. We sure yep. did. Right. I, I was the number one just oh, I can't go out. I can't, you know, do this and that. So I'm going to order my groceries and I'm not going to take the risk of going out. Actually, you kind of remind me. So the other type of population I work with is caregivers or caretakers. I call it the sandwich generation now, where it's people who are um, taking care of their parents, but they have teenagers at home. Right. And you kind of, sorry, not to therapize you a little bit, but like what you're saying really resonates with the caretakers. Like, during the pandemic, all of them were like, oh, great. I don't have to do the yes. things that I th- I think I need to do all yes. the time. The over-functioners, right? right? And they got a break in their minds or yeah. they think they did. But I really feel like, too, a lot of guilt was built up mm-hmm. or a lot of like the must-haves, I must do or shoulds still were there. Yeah. And they just kept building and building. And or if they couldn't get to their people they were fig- they were the ones figuring it out. They were right. the ones doing, you know, the I'm going to look at you through the window. Yes. Kind of stuff. Yes. So, yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. And um, 
I see that a lot in some of my clients right now. Yeah. And that's what I I fear. And I was really excited to talk to you about is um, seeing that maybe regression or struggle to get back to where we were because you know, those of us who were maybe working on things and then COVID hit, we had an excuse not to anymore because we couldn't. Right. And also the families who they had to keep going in mental health. Because I also at the time worked with kids during the pandemic. And, you know, I worked with anger management kids. So these kids were, Mm. you know, they had a lot going on even at home. So it was really important to maintain. And so luckily, um, mental health therapists were or mental health therapists were considered under the the guise of the covid conditions of working like mental mm-hmm. health, considered first responders yes. during that time so i could actually still see people in person oh, okay so that was really helpful as well because um i don't know if we're eventually going to get to this topic but i one of the things that came out of the pandemic was telehealth therapy yeah. things like Which better you did health for us. yeah yeah and so we i was able to do that and have that flexibility especially with cancer yes cancer survivors or people struggling or going through it at the moment and so then i they didn't have to worry about like getting sick coming right. in person to see me they we just do it safely via telehealth. Right. And so you were doing that for us at the time. I remember we had one particular client that um, you were really, really helping a lot. And I would go drop off groceries to her yes. and I would go put them on her doorstep. And because you know, I would she, have them yeah. DoorDashed here or not DoorDash, Instacarted here. And then I would go take them to her and leave them on her doorstep. And then she was so able grateful. to get her groceries. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. she was able to hop on telehealth with you. Right. And so it was really nice to have that avenue for our clients. Absolutely. And so you did a world of good for our clients mm-hmm, at the time mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. via health and yeah. I mean still do obviously but yeah you know but it it's was a huge really convenience nice. and it's yeah. you know when you have safety concerns like that especially mm-hmm. the medical getting exposed to COVID at the time yeah. was literally killing people so I mean if you were already having any sort of health issues like no way I, and so that fear is very real right right mm-hmm. so what is the difference um that you've noticed or that you using your practice in the approach of in-person versus telehealth with covid now or well now, well, in now i mean because general. people have gotten so comfortable and i know just want to do telehealth. no bruh <laughs> uh, okay kids here's my soapbox moment please come in person to see your therapist and i i know that may be a stretch but for some people in terms of convenience because it is it's a huge convenience mm-hmm. And even for the therapist, it is. We can literally wear our comfy clothes and go to the office now. You know, I still do, but regardless, (laughs) um, I think it is important, the level of engagement and nonverbal that your therapist is going to be able to see and tune into is tremendous, right? And if I miss something because you're distracted looking at your phone or there's other things going on in your household when we're doing telehealth, that's also distracting for me. And so it's going to it's going to move our session into a direction that it would be it wouldn't be happening if it was right. in my office, right. right, in person. And I know like I like to tell my th- my clients cuz I see a therapist for myself that they're her grand therapist. I tell, <laughs> I tell them. I was like I love seeing in her, her in person because I do personally feel that difference because yeah. I did do telehealth with her online. We both showed up 
looking haggard (laughs) because we were both still maintaining therapy as well as dealing with our own anxieties. But like seeing her in person was, it's so much better. Like I feel the connection and the level that you're going to get is different. Granted, I say all of that, but I also am a proponent for telehealth, especially in rural communities who can't say get to a therapist because that is a huge issue. However, I'm going to also say those to people, if you want to do online therapy, I also recommend that you see this person in person if you can. Right. Maybe make a once every other month trip to go just do that tune-in session. And the other part is if you're going to do telehealth or any sort of online therapy, I guess like to not be cautious, but to it can sort of be a stepping stone for people who haven't seen a therapist before and who are more weary. Because I know a lot of my young adults I work with will start with online and then kind of not have a great experience, unfortunately. Because maybe that therapist is working with a lot more in a capacity sense or they will be a robot because there's oh. a text option for some. So I've had oh. I've had some people love it or hate it or yeah. in between. So I'm not against it, but I think you should know like the pros and cons of everything right. before yeah. jumping into something online. So say some so say a client um gets paired with a um therapist that's not a good fit for them. Yeah. And cuz that oh, happens. All the time. Yeah, and, vibe and, check is real. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that. how do you suggest people navigate switching therapists yeah, when it's not a good fit? Question. I'm so glad you did. Oh, good. Yeah. It's a great break up with my therapist. And good for you. One, and it took me a year. Oh, no. I'm so sorry to hear that. I was, I, I felt guilty. I felt guilty that I wasn't connecting in the way that I wanted to. And I thought it was my fault. So how do you suggest oh, navigating that? So... If they are a good therapist, um, hopefully they talk to you at least in the first session about that. So I am very a huge, strong proponent that this is voluntary, right? So you walk through the door. I'm here for you. This is a service. Right. And to never forget that. Never forget that. Because right. you don't want to have a therapist where you're not vibing with off of the first session, yo. Yeah. No, we don't <laughs> want that. No. Because sometimes it's like... I'm going to awkwardly say this. It's kind of like the first date, right? You can kind of tell, potentially, hopefully, a little bit if they are a good fit for you or not. And some therapists are very good at at like the the blank face and and keeping it very, very professional. I... I'm like a mixed bag of that, but because I work at maybe with too many teens, (laughs) but... um, I think that it's sometimes hard to gauge on the first session if they are going to fit for you or not. Yeah. because you have to see this as any other profession. If you're going to go in and get your car fixed and you don't trust this person right off the bat, you're probably not going to keep your car there. Right. Why would we keep ourselves in a spot yeah. when the same rules essentially apply? Because this is a service industry at the end of the yeah. day. We're here to provide you with a service for your mental health and right. your needs. If you're not getting your needs met, that's okay. Like I personally... Don't take offense when someone says, hey, I don't think we're a good fit because I see that more as like, good for you. You have like tuned in with yourself enough to authentically connect to that part that's saying, I don't, I don't think this is it. And have the courage. Holy cow. Have the courage and vulnerability to say, no. Yeah, Yeah. this isn't a good fit. 
I think for me, it was definitely, um, I did not have the courage at all because I felt like we did work on things and I was getting some help, Yeah, but the deep, dark things that I really needed to talk about, I didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And so when I switched over to my new therapist, I the first day I was like, here's the things I got to say. Uh-huh. And if you can't take it, and she was like, girl, if you can't handle the yeah. truth. <laughs> she was like, girl, I'm here for you. I got this. Like, we're, yeah. and it's been fantastic now. Cause you walked in with a different mindset. I did. You walked in going, I'm laying all my cards out yes. on the table and I'm going to talk to you like yes. the way I want someone to talk to me. Absolutely. And she responded in kind yeah. because therapists love honesty yeah. because I just literally read an article the other day where they said like 40% of our clients lie to us. <sighs> and oh, which, gosh, think yeah. about it. That totally makes sense to me because yeah. what you just expressed yeah. a year, it took a year to break up with your therapist yeah. because it's hard y'all. It it's is. so hard to say this isn't a good fit even yeah. to a professional. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've definitely, I've seen a few different therapists and I'd say like the, um, the first one that I saw as an adult, um, was was great mm-hmm. um but it, it was very surface and then I, I think it was a little bit like maybe past a year into it where i was like i feel like we're just not getting where you need to go where i need yeah. to go and then i did try one other therapist and i did try to do what you did and say this this these are my issues and yeah. i i want to address these and she kind of did this like well, well, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. But this is just the introductory. Oh. Like, we don't need to get into that right oh, now. Yuck. Like, well, it was kind of very so, business, very business. Yeah, like, oh, well, like I just want to know your background right now. Like, we we'll we'll touch on that later. And and part of me was like, that's understandable. Yeah. But I was also like, well, I'm just I'm also letting you know, like this. These yeah. are the things I want to work on. And so I feel like you kind of do have to have this, like, I don't know. Yeah, be in touch with yourself of like okay, like, am I going to give this a shot? How long am I going to give this a shot right. for? Like, am I going to give it a good, you know, maybe couple sessions and right. and really fill it out or or listen to my gut on the first on the first go and say, which well, is, yeah. you know. Which is so hard. Like, yeah. that's like saying, okay, I'm going to watch this Netflix show. I'm going to watch right. three episodes. <laughs> and if it ain't, you know, great. I just, yeah, I'm going to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. And that too is hard because you're like, well, maybe I just, it needs to be a warm-up session or a few more. But I hear right. you. The other thing you said that's, I thought was really interesting. You said tuning in because I said it earlier, but mm-hmm. like, I guess to also talk on that, sometimes we don't tune in when we're seeing our therapist. We're dissociating. Mm-hmm. We're walking in the door, walking with trauma on our back or under our arms and we're going, hey, yeah, I'm just here, you know, yeah. and you're not present mm-hmm. enough to even discern that the person across from you is maybe not a good fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to see sometimes until you're way into the weeds or you start to become more mindfully aware of your needs a little bit better and then make that connection that's not a good fit right or it's an awesome fit i don't think i ever want my therapist to retire and if she does i'll follow her wherever (laughs) she goes (laughs) i love it (laughs) oh so now that you say that you have your own therapist if you don't mind if um what what made you seek out your own what gave you the strength to seek out your own mental health Yes. Journey and Yeah, great question. Um I guess kind of what you were saying earlier, I um started when I was a teen. I also had anger management. Haha, <laughs> hence why like <laughs> like totally groove with it now as an adult. <laughs> I had anger management as a teen. I actually had a horrible therapist. Um it was it was 
very bad relationship and in terms of like she wasn't giving me what I needed, right? Hence why I'm also a proponent for you being very strong on that for yourself because, yeah, it wasn't great. But I learned a lot. You know, we talk a lot about what we can gain, but we can also learn about what we don't want. Um, Mm -hmm. So then I actually – stopped therapy for a little bit because I had a therapist that I when I changed over to a new one she kind of was like why are you here you don't seem like you have any more problems (laughs) and I was like I actually at the time though kind of needed that so but but no I hear you Mm -hmm. and I needed a therapist to see me because I really didn't have any more problems like at the time when I finally changed to the other therapist. And so I was able to take honest break because that's that's the other thing about therapy I think people get intimidated by is that they feel like the therapist is not going to tell you, hey, you're doing great. You don't need me anymore. Right. And they get weary that they're going to be in therapy for years and years and years. But that's not the truth, y'all. Like you Mm -hmm. can say – for yourself if you're not in it anymore as well as you know collaborate with your therapist like hey i think we're doing great progress can we reduce sessions and then maybe taper off absolutely yes we love that as therapists so anyway going back to the the next step of my therapy came when i actually was an adult California at the time for my grad program required 60 hours of your own personal therapy to experience oh, what it oh, was like. Okay. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Yeah. Too bad they got rid of that. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> they got rid of that a few years ago. Oh. So it's no longer a requirement for the Board of Behavioral Sciences don't require new students coming into the psychology field that's to experience. Too bad. I, I agree. Yeah, they probably all... figure you grew up in California, you're in therapy, you know what it's about. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Maybe uh, touche. <laughs> but yeah, but to be able to to be on that other side and know like okay, this is what I value as a client. So mm-hmm. I would love to be able to make my clients feel yes. like this, feel very mm-hmm. comfortable, warm, not too friendly to where it's, you know, unprofessional, but but relatable and not like you're, you know, just a um like a robot sitting there listening to them writing yeah. things down and not right. sharing, you know, like I've always very like very much valued just that relatable, like you are a person, you get it, you have your own life, your own traumas, like you know maybe not necessarily where I'm coming from in this situation, but you know what it's like to feel these emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And kind of to touch on what you're saying, like if the therapist across from you has not worked on their own stuff. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so, yeah, like it is important. I think that every therapist go see a therapist for a little bit. um, And realize it's not an like every therapist. It's not Frasier. It's not an episode of Frasier. Right. No. Um, So I I feel like my therapy went through phases in my life. So as a teenager, I saw a therapist. And then in my college years, I saw a therapist. And then I kind of took a break. And then I actually started working full time as a therapist. And I was having some personal stuff come up again. And I was like, you know what? I think it's okay for me to go back. And that's what I ended up doing. And I ended up keeping my therapist. um, And some of the current stuff that I have been struggling with is – so I gave birth to my son – last year and so that has been like the new phase of my life yeah so that's the stuff that we're now talking about is like all those challenges of being a new parent and congratulations by the thank, way. You. Yeah. thank you thank <laughs> you i love my son he's super adorable Aww. um so yeah that's been very helpful as well as navigating you know being a business owner but it being a business owner that works with trauma and clients right. and things like that it's like very layered so 
long story short, um, I feel like everybody at different phases in their life definitely would benefit Absolutely. from seeing a therapist. Well, and like you're saying, with the different phases of your life, navigating those new, <gasps> new mm-hmm. things and stuff that, you know, why not? Go talk to somebody. Why right. not? Because Go. you're in the forest full of trees. Yeah. You may not see the path ahead. And Absolutely. someone else who's not invested in that way that you are, you know, you're getting so caught up in this stuff. Yeah. Can give you like, hey, have you thought of going in that direction right. for a little bit? Right. And it being so just, oh wow. Right. Where it's changing your perspective so simply sometimes yeah. is all I feel like some of my clients need at the end of the day is like, have we tried this? Or right. or tried that right. kind of thing. Right. What kind of blocks do you see to people seeking out mental health treatment? Well, <laughs> I know there's probably many, many. Yeah. I, I had a personal conversation with someone just the other day and they said, what do you think? Do I need therapy? And I was like, well, hold on. That's a personal thing mm. that you have to decide. But if you're asking me that. Right. Maybe it's something that you are considering and you should, you know, but um, they don't see themselves as worthy or needing it. They have a lot of shame. You know, I can get through it myself, but I'm like, but if you're asking the question. The answer is yes. 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 (laughs) So if you're asking, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of blocks do you see? I'm sure there's many. Pretty much everything you said. Okay. I think a lot of the blocks is more of the I can do it all on my own mm-hmm. kind of mentality um, or a minimization of actually what they're going through okay. and feeling like I don't actually need therapy and right. they are using these excuses or they're using these things to kind of justify not asking for help right? or kind of putting it off to everyone else, like asking their friends and family. But to a point, I think friends and family can only go so far. Absolutely. They're absolutely great like support network, but they love you, right? And they might have a biased opinion in what you're asking for and um, may only sometimes add to the noise in the forest. Yeah. Hence why a therapist can sometimes just like clear out the obstacles, especially if you're the obstacle, which I know is not, I know that's very abrupt, but we tend to get in our own way. And I think that's one of the huge blocks of asking for help is like getting in our own way, getting in our own head. Yeah. Um, I see that a lot, especially in anger management, ang- anger management and that I work with men and men okay. in particular don't ask for help very often because no. it is a shameful thing in our society as Gosh. men to ask for help. Yeah. Especially some of like the couples I've worked with where it's the women reaching out and saying, I need help with this um, with my husband or my partner and we need to talk to somebody. So it's, it can be a shameful thing right. as well. Right, definitely. I definitely see that mm-hmm. a lot. And unfortunately, in our male population a lot, and then with our own cancer patients, I feel like um, a lot of them don't think it's time or necessary or needed to be in therapy, although they're struggling anyways. And then the male clients especially are like, no, 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 I got this. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, are Do you see any certain types of trends or um, I don't know if it's blocks or whatever, but trends with the cancer patients with um, needing the different types of therapy, whether it's during during your journey or survivorship issues? I, that's actually a really good point. So um, 
I think for some cancer clients that I have worked with, I guess my first thought is one less professional talking at them. Yeah. Bruh. Kind of what I was going to say when you brought that up. It's like they've either Mm -hmm. just gone through this. Right. Going to see somebody all the time. Yeah. Or they're still doing it and it's like well that's just one more thing i have to do that's I, right more appointments yeah. that i have i couldn't have not ma- to cut imagined, you off but i was like that's what kind of what i was thinking during too. treatment i definitely could not have imagined having one more appointment to see a therapist right. but after i surely needed it and i didn't give myself that allowance for that mm-hmm. because i was supposed to be happy i survived so what am I doing complaining about anything? And I was just like, no, just truck through. You're fine. Do you see that with survivorships? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I definitely see that as well as like kind of even the sandwich generation I'm working with too. Mm-hmm. Very similar of mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't need to help because look, everyone else around me falling apart right. and deteriorating and I have to stay strong oh. and I have to keep this hard mindset of keep calm, carry on, right? But it's so detrimental because, and sometimes we don't acknowledge it or sometimes we don't even see it that we're over-functioning or overworking or that we're burning ourselves out or even celebrating like kind of what you were saying. Not, It's like, I should be happy. I should be celebrating this moment. I feel like to receiving love, Mm -hmm. receiving positivity is is actually really, really hard. Yeah. And that not a lot of people can truly sit down and receive the, I am cancer free mm-hmm. and really receive that message fully, truly. Yeah. And then to go talk to a professional and talk about like self-love and self-care right. feels like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> and like, no way, man, that's just too much. And it, right. and it freaks them out. Yeah. And I get it because, you know, I, f- I feel like therapy is a form of self-love and self-care. I've even gotten some of my overfunctioners to to say, oh, this is my self-care. They'll come in and tell me, like, my yeah. therapy is my self-care. Yeah. I'm like, that's great. It's a part of it, but it is not all of it, y'all. <laughs> a part, not all. And I, I feel like you're in such a vulnerable state having been through the cancer treatment or having cancer or even having the family experience mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. cancer. And that vulnerability and that, it takes a lot of courage to stay vulnerable. Right. So if you've already been through the, I I guess, I guess, sorry, I I see all the clients that I work with that walk through my door as gladiators in some way, because you're stepping into the arena. And I know Brene Brown talks about this in a lot of her research too, um, of stepping into the arena of life and like being brave and courageous and vulnerable, knowing you could die or be exposed to real truth that you're not ready to see yet or admit to yourself. A lot of people are in a constant state of denial. And being a gladiator, man, it's a lot of work. Right. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But it's also something that I think everyone is worthy of. But unfortunately, not everyone can don the armor of a gladiator forever and need breaks. So even if... I feel like with cancer survivors who have gone through the journey of treatment and recovery may not feel quite ready yet for therapy, mm-hmm. right. which is totally okay. Yeah. That's an instinctual, maybe even instinct of saying, I have already been through enough. I don't right. know if I can now go through the mental or the emotional right. part right. of this yet. I'm still 
letting my body go through right. it, right? Right. And that's maybe wanting point. peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really good point because I think you kick yourself a lot for, for waiting so long. For waiting so long, you're like, oh, I should have done it years ago. But but it's that instinctual, like I literally just survived something. Right. Yeah. I'm tired. Well, and I'm you know? seeing it. As I'm tired. I'm going to put the armor down. Yeah. I'm going to get out of this arena, and I'm just going to go be a human being for yeah. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing it more and more as we speak to more spotlight mm-hmm. um, persons that. I'm not the only one. Like we've waited quite a while. And I, like you said, I kicked myself for waiting so long. It had to be my idea on my terms and all the things, but I just wasn't ready. Yeah. And I'm seeing that the more people we talk to that they're hitting the same milestones as me and finally going, okay, it's time Mm -hmm. (laughs) to deal with my mental health. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I think it um, took me down quite a bit for a while not dealing with it but now i'm starting to see the forest through the trees and going hey okay right. i've you know even though i stayed with a therapist that wasn't the perfect fit we did do some good work absolutely and then you got something out of i that did year. i really yeah. did and then now i feel like i've even found a just much one that just, resonates with your yes, soul and like that's what she you hope really for. I mean in the first meeting I was just like I did not cry for a year in therapy in the first meeting I was like Wah! and just cried and let it all out and because it was the deep dark stuff that I needed to say mm-hmm. that I felt comfortable saying and um yeah I feel like this was the time Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that and I'm starting to kick myself a little bit less Good. for waiting so long yeah because again, the arena just stepping in is hard work. Yeah. And that's what it is for every client that walks through the threshold to any therapist's office right. is that you're you're coming to a point of being courageous, talking to someone mm-hmm. about something that is either holding you down, holding you back, keeping you stuck in life, making you miserable. And a lot of us are okay with just sitting in misery and staying in right. that. And we don't realize that it's misery until we go and talk about that. And that's scary in itself to admit. What would you say to someone who is sitting in their misery and has been doing it for many, many years and really won't just won't take that step? Like, do they just have to come to it on their own or do you have some good advice to just kind of provoke or prompt them just maybe to even get a, give it a thought, just give it a chance maybe? Sure. I would ask them, what are you getting out of this? Okay. I like that. What are you getting out of this miserable state of being? Yeah. What, how is it helping you? Okay. Is it benefiting you at all? I like are that. you enjoying it? Are you happy on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because I think about that with just so many people out there who sit in their misery. And I'm not that I haven't. I've done it myself, you know, but sit in their misery and um, aren't taking any steps to get out of that. And, you know, I, of course, now that I've (laughs) started therapy and all the things, I want everyone to get help and everyone to be fixed and better. And I know that's completely unrealistic. But if we could just say something to the listener out there going, hey, like you said, what are you getting out of this? You know, are you happy in this? Well, that kind of reminds me, too, of of what you were saying earlier about how being comfortable can lead to depression and how absolutely you can be very well in your comfort zone and and not happy but it's your comfort zone and you know what to expect on the on a daily basis and and even if that doesn't mean happiness i think a lot of people can kind of justify that you know by saying like well 
it, it's almost like not um not knowing how to accept happiness because there's hope, there's a chance for things to go wrong. There's you're taking risks, right? To, right, which to, means being vulnerable. Right. Being vulnerable is taking risks. The failure of right. not allowing yourself to receive love because it's easier to stay negative and in that headspace. And to let those voices in our head, the negative ones, win, yeah. right, it, on a it's daily. Like, it's like staying in a job that you've been at for 20 years because, right. oh, well, maybe it's not what I want to do or maybe it's not the best, you but know, fear. paying job. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It, but it's stable. I know what to expect. Right, and I know? think that's kind of what you're saying is like mm -hmm. sta stability in itself can mm -hmm. confuse people of like, well, I'm stable, mm -hmm. so I'm happy, right? This right. is what that means. And couples therapy, one of my favorite lines, this came from another therapist and I absolutely adore. She's like, we were talking about in a group consultation of some of our couples coming in going it's just so boring and i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> relationships healthy one guys guess what secrets out it's a little boring <laughs> and maybe that we should be okay i said that. after i got married i was gonna write a book called the shit they don't tell you beforehand right. <laughs> yes which is two weeks before the wedding, you just want to elope and just yes. say, screw everything, screw everybody, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. And that, yeah, it's it gets a little boring. And boring, again, okay. is, is okay. okay. Yeah. Because boring is not chaos. Boring oh. is not uncertainty and stability. I just heard, and it was probably on TikTok, so please forgive me, <laughs> but it was that when you're not used to stability, mm -hmm. Boring scary. is scary because you're used to chaos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a safe, stable place, mm -hmm. if you've come from chaos, you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great, great point. And it's funny. I was trying to encourage someone to go to therapy mm -hmm. because they were saying, I have a great support system. I have my friends and my family. And I said, that's fantastic, but you need a place that you can go to and you can say the ugly truths yep. without having to worry about judgment. But yeah, you need a safe place to go. Like you said, your first the first time you went, you needed to talk about the dark things. You yeah. needed to cry. You needed to let it out in a place that you weren't going to get judged. Yep. And um, that's not emotionally invested the way you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can empathize. And I think empathy can get confused to, with sympathy. Um, but yeah, that's a therapist's job is to be empathetic and to hold space for you when some of your friends and family may have like a window of tolerance for, especially if it's mm -hmm. the same can you're kicking over and over again. Mm -hmm. And your family may go, hey, so, right? And then it makes you feel more shameful because you're still not getting what you need right. out of that conversation. Yeah. And honestly, being, you know, a friend, a sister, a daughter, there have been so many times where I'm like, I I don't know what else I personally can do to help Absolutely. or aid you. Yes. In, That's a in, huge one. Especially when you want to encourage them so much to to get to where they deserve to be. But they themselves have to get there. Yeah. And and it's not necessarily you that's gonna say the thing or, you know, push them or, you know, give them some sort of revelation that's going to make them realize, like, I do deserve to to be at this place. It, it, I think, especially like with you, like we're, um, you know, as a mom-daughter relationship, I mm -hmm. think we're very good friends for being yeah. a mom and daughter, but you're not going to tell me all your deep, dark, scary no. thoughts, right? No. Secrets so, are healthy, yeah. y'all. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you're not going to say the things to your friends and family that 
you know, maybe you you really want to say to them sometimes. Yeah. And I yeah. I really love having, you know, the idea of having someone completely separate where yeah. it, it's it's healthy. It's yours. It's he- it's mm-hmm. yours. It's yeah. healthy because you you want to be open and honest with your with your friends and your family and you want to have that where you can f- confide in them but you don't want to confide everything in no. them <laughs> right and then you know you said something really good of of kind of it both of you actually uh, go I want to go on the TikTok thing and then <laughs> um I have a lot to say and then but what you're saying about like there's so much only a friend or family can do because the other part of that tricky part is advice. Mm-hmm. You could give advice until you're blue in yeah. the face like, and then they don't take it and they don't mm, take it and they're mm-hmm. still upset or they're still miserable and you're yes. still giving advice and it's this horrible little dynamic y'all are in now. Mm-hmm. And But this new layer has been added into the form of resentment, right? Because you're like, I'm trying to help you, but you're not helping yourself. Oh, yeah. And I see that a lot with um, the clients I work with. And it's getting to a point where I am not a fan of, of advice because advice can be tricky, especially if someone doesn't take it. Yeah. Right? But it has nothing really to do with you. Right. As you yeah, were saying, it's the your hard own part. journey mm-hmm. to come to that realization of I need help. I need outside help. I can't yeah. keep doing this. And that's their own p- pool or draw or intuition speaking. But yeah. sometimes that can cause chaos with family or friends or resentment or or like totally, which is hard because, again, with the caretakers that I see, they will do that a lot first before they go and get help. And it's like they've burnt out some of their their support network not yeah. not intentionally right you know mm-hmm. but they them they themselves don't feel worthy right of finding a therapist or right. that their their grief or their anger their trauma is not as bad as the people they're working right. with or taking care of or the people sometimes with this like the survivor families of cancer yeah. that i've worked with where they're like why it why didn't me? happen to me right it's but it's still secondary trauma, Absolutely. which is still trauma. And I've talked to the the girls and my husband so much about that. I'm like, but you went through something too. I know I was the one in it, but you guys were right next to me and you guys were going through it as well. So it makes sense if there's some trauma from that. It Absolutely. makes sense. And in hindsight, you know, I I wish I had maybe done some work earlier to be a better person. You guys sound to- related. <laughs> But like when you're as a caregiver, you and that sandwich generation that you've talked about, it's like that change of perspective, right? Like you need that change of perspective to say, I deserve to be in therapy so that I can do my best to support those around me. And because you're taking care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. By finally saying, "Uh, my needs matter. Yeah. And like you're finally saying it. Just saying it. It's like going AA. Hi. Yeah. I'm a caretaker and my needs matter too. Or yeah. hi, I am a sur- I am a cancer survivor family member and my needs matter too. Absolutely. Yep. Right, you're owning it. You're yeah. owning that narrative in your mind. And I think you guys are afraid to do that because you don't want to you don't want to step on the toes of the person that's going through it or take away their light or whatever. And it's so important. I see it as the cancer survivor that my family needed the support they needed the the extra maybe therapy well, you had that wisdom like yeah because you you see that as mm-hmm. an important but they didn't accept it 
<laughs> because they wanted to just be strong for me, yeah. you know. But lo- looking back to it, it, you definitely, you have to have that perspective of, of okay, if I, if I really want to do the best I can to be there for the people that I love, I have to be my best self. And that means doing the work and so that I'm not then putting my trauma and my, you know, my internal chaos onto those that I'm trying to take care of. Right. You know, well, well I also say y'all are human, both of you, yeah. like talking about that. And my first thing that I think of is Roman pillars and that we all crumble sometimes and yeah. we need to lean on the column that's still standing next to us. Oh, I love that. I love that too. And yeah. you guys yeah. sound like there was a reason, like you were asking your daughter to go to therapy, but yeah. she was like, no, I have to stay strong for you yes. right now because you're crumbling. Yeah. But that can change. And yeah. I mean, and, and that's allowed to change and it's necessary to change. And yeah. going back to like supporting of friends and family, and instead of giving advice, the only thing I would recommend is giving empathy, yeah. not sympathy. Sympathy is like, mm. oh yeah, that sucks. But hey, let's talk about something else. And it's right. like a... I'm going to acknowledge it, but we're going to move on real quick. Yeah. Right. And okay. and it doesn't feel genuine or real or mm-hmm. connective. Yeah. Empathy is, I feel you. That is heavy. That is a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about it? And, oh my gosh, here's another thought too. Why don't tune in to the person that you're sharing your story with and ask, hey, do you have the emotional bandwidth to talk to me right now? Ooh. That is That's really great. Really important. That is such a good point. My best friend is a police officer. And during the pandemic, she lived in Seattle with all the, the writing oh, going wow. on. And that ended up becoming necessary as part of our starter conversations because mm-hmm. I would have horrible days and then I'd call her and be like, Hey, you have time to talk? And she goes, No. Yeah. And it and at first I didn't I like tried really hard not to personalize it. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to love me. You're my best friend. Talk to me all the time. <laughs> but she's just like, I'm really sorry, but yeah. my precinct down the street got bombed. Oh. And it's like, you know, we're in this we were in this chaotic storm and I had to not, you know, I had to be there for her, but then yeah. she was just like, you don't have to be there for me because you're a therapist. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, no. So we would get into these dynamics until finally I was just like, you know what? Why don't we just ask prior? We yeah. do it in a text message form. I text her saying, hey, do you have the emotional bandwidth for me right now? Oh. On a scale of 110, if, you, if you're not, I won't take it personally and I will leave you alone and I'll just send you lots of hearts and funny memes oh, the rest of that. the evening. Yeah. <laughs> and vice versa, right? Yeah. And so we were able to keep our communication, our vulnerability, our courage to talk alive, but it not going to the wayside or feeling ignored or minimized. So, and you're also tuning into that person that you're asking for help from. Yeah. Who might be resentful and burnt out because they've heard the same thing over and over again. And now you're giving them a chance to go, yeah, not today. I love you, but not today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I feel like, that does not happen most of the time no. where we we just expect someone to be ready to take on all of our shit right and just dump on them yep and we have no idea what they're going through we yeah. have no idea if their day was an absolute horror show right. and they don't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. to deal with mine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that is a great great point to make yeah. yeah yeah i love that and also it's you know I think it's as people who, if we are listening or if they somebody is coming to us and saying, do you have the bandwidth to say, if we have, if we do say yes, do you want advice or do you want me to listen? Listen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Because that is something that I have noticed. Like I have tried to take a step back and just be someone that people can listen to or just that people can share with and that I listen and I hear what they're saying and I'm not listening to respond. And, um, and now because I've, I've made that adjustment it now when people do it to me, I'm like, I'm sorry. I even opened up to you. I like, it almost puts me on the defense. Like I, I'm just sharing something with you. I didn't say that I needed your help. I didn't say I didn't know how to handle it. I'm just venting. Yeah. And now I don't even want to talk to you anymore (laughs) because you've made this about you. Yeah. Right. And that's what's so tricky about advice giving too because they'll make it about themselves and their own personal story. Well, this happened and this worked for me and my husband. So it's going to work for you and your partner. Mm -hmm. And it's an emotional assumption. We can't go down that rabbit hole because it'll totally act. It could activate you, right? Like you get defensive and hostile, personalized. Like, what the heck? I was coming to you for help and now you're being a total busy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be totally honest. I've had to learn that with you know, not only a few people in my life, but but my twin sister, especially, where for so long I I I'm I always say I have this righteous fury where like if someone yeah. has been wronged or if someone is going through something, I want to fight for them. Like I want to fix it for them. I I just want to make it all perfect for them. And and so I've your trigger and, is injustice. Y- yes. Yeah. It's so yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Um and so in the past I, I think my idea of like being a good, you know, sister, good friend, good daughter, whatever, is like, well, you know, exactly that. Like, I guess it's the advice giving. And I've had, you know, I've gotten into fights with my twin sister where she's like, I just need you to listen. I don't need you to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'd say like maybe the past like three years, I really, really kind of like honed that in. And it's very hard for me because when I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't, imagine how you're feeling right now i i'm so so sorry i wish there was something i could do to fix it for you you know what do you need for For me that's still such a struggle because i'm like i hope that Mm -hmm. comes off as genuine because it is but i'm not i'm not giving them the answers anymore or what i think are the answers that they didn't ask for you know and i've noticed their relationship has grown tremendously over these few years yeah Mm -hmm. because She's just more there to, and and she'll definitely give her advice when her sister wants it, but she's definitely more just, I'm listening, I'm letting you vent, I'm here for you, and they have, they've come so, just leaps and bounds. Like, I just love it so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, To get pulled into a different direction, you mentioned TikTok earlier, and I want to stay on that really quick or address that really quick. So I did do TikTok at the start of the pandemic thinking it was a good idea. And there are moments where I think it's a good idea. And then there are other moments where I am weary of mental health advice given on a social platform because that's then become now the substitute therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like I'm going to look at this 30 second video and it's going to fix cure and change my trauma or depression or anxiety. And not all the advice. Sorry to burst everyone's bubble is good yeah. wait what i know <laughs> if it's not on the internet it's it's not true possibly <laughs> it's on the internet, it's you true? also don't know if this is a, and that's the other problem yes. a licensed therapist that is yeah. actually producing these videos do you know right yeah you don't know who you're getting this information from it's kind of like wikipediaing your mental health symptoms oh you're my. just <laughs> at that you're at the 
women will of Dr. Google, y'all. And you're yeah. that's what I feel like a lot of my teen or younger generation clients are coming in going, well, I saw this on TikTok or I saw that on social media. Social media is helpful to an extent. I want you to see it more as like the tip of the iceberg because mental health in reality is the water underneath that iceberg. Yeah. So social media is helpful. It's a conversation starter. So if you feel safe to share with, say, like a friend or family, you know, like a meme you saw, and that can maybe prompt or help some parents that I've worked with take their kiddo seriously, actually, mm. so that they want mental health treatment. So again, there's pros and cons to everything. I think if you're going to work in the realm of social media, I feel like as a therapist, it's still untreaded water. And I, you know, I don't know if I have the vulnerability or courage at times to walk in it because I don't know if what I'm doing is helpful or not sometimes or if it's adding to the noise. Hence why I've kind of decreased on my social media platforms because I, I don't know, it's like a, it's pros and cons, you know, it's, I'm, yeah. as you guys can tell, I'm very conflicted. But <laughs> I love that. I love the self-awareness and yeah. that you're even able to say, am I adding to the noise or am I yeah. helping? Right. Yeah. Thank you. Although, there, there's a ton of information out there. And yeah. so, yeah, I think, I think sometimes it's like, well, is, is this one thing going to benefit a me? the people I'm trying to put it out to. Right. And, or is it, yeah, maybe just like you said, more noise. I think that was a a good way to put it. But I think, you know, being, I guess, kind of in that generation that is on TikTok, social media, there's, there's been so many times where I have seen something and it's, it gives me either that, that place to start a conversation or a slight change in perspective, which has then kind of spiraled into like, oh, I think I need to think more about this and I think I need to do more research about this. And that's the part that I get weary of is like the triggering Mm -hmm. convos that can sometimes inadvertently happen and not in a like, I guess to be very specific of triggering is triggering of trauma wounds, of triggering Mm -hmm. anger management, triggering shame and you shame spiral for three hours after you saw something on social media. That's something that I'm weary of and very aware of and I I don't agree with. Um, So it's also very important to like honor that space and all the, it's like a, like a skunk walking walking around in your house you're like okay i'm gonna be very careful of you because i i like my house (laughs) it could do a lot of damage and i i just want to make sure it's you know here's the door if i need you to get out yeah so like i guess to have boundaries with social media for and remember that it's not real life it's people putting a perception something that they want you to see on the internet take it with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. i hear you but i almost don't even know if people remember that sometimes yeah some of my teens take that stuff very seriously young adults i work with they take it very seriously and i and and we know that. We're, it's my elder millennial speaking. <laughs> Yo, I get you. I get you. Because that's why I'm like, this is nonsense. I don't believe yeah. that. But we can discern that. Right. Some of the younger kids that I work with can't. I guess I hadn't yeah. thought of that. No, they really, and, you know, just from having younger siblings and who yeah. are becoming more and more active on social media as they get older. 
Yeah, they really like, think that the what Andrew they Tate see- phenomenon that I've seen with Ooh. some of the young men that I've heard of. Yeah, that's exactly it. What yes. we all moan and groan because we can discern he's a total idiot. Mm, right. But some of the men I've seen, mm. young boys, oh, are speaking his propaganda and not knowing that, that it's totally nonsense and yeah. it's not real. Oh. Yeah. But they don't. No. And that's what makes those yeah. voices on social media dangerous. And yeah. if I at times want to add to that noise or not. But anyway, to pivot away, but I just wanted to yeah. talk on that. Very Thank briefly. you for circling no, back. Yeah. yeah. Although we will want to link any of your contact, <laughs> your, contact your social cool. media, any website, anything like that. Because we want people to be able to have access to you. Yeah. You Thank know, you. so that's the biggest thing is having yes. access to you. What if, if it's a ways client, a caretaker, yes. Yes. they can come through us to help, you know, us support them through mm-hmm. seeing you. Um, we want them to have the access to you. Yes. But definitely no listeners. That is just the access to get started. Right. <laughs> talk to me for 15 minutes. So I always offer that yes. for, my, for potential new clients. Talk to me for 15 minutes on the phone. I love that. Yeah. For yeah. free. Just see if I, it's so funny too, because like I'll always ask potential new clients, like, do you have any questions for me? And most times they don't. Yeah. Um, is that you, a red flag? No, not at all. I think it's normal. Like, yeah. think of it like um, asking your doctor, you know, their background right. we don't know what to ask sometimes right. Right. so um I, I guess some of the questions if you're looking for someone that fits you is ask what you're looking for okay do you work with clients that struggle with this do you work with clients who have gone through this um right. do you see people who do this right it's very vulnerable because you just met me on the phone and so to admit if you have like a porn addiction or to admit if you have um, a gambling addiction right. or, you know, that stuff's very vulnerable. But then to say, like, do you work with people with cancer yeah. or have gone through cancer? Yeah. You know, it can still feel vulnerable. But remember, this, my job is to hold vulnerability. Right. My job is to hear you. And by you asking also makes me aware that you're looking for something specific. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can't meet that need, I will tell you on the phone. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. That's awesome. And having having to be able to have that from a therapist who's going to be honest and tell you, you know, yes yeah. or no, I can or I can't mm-hmm. help you in that arena. That's And you would probably have a resource. Yes. You know? Yes. So speaking of which, um, how are the best ways for people to find a therapist out there? If Say I'm brand new and just think one day I need to find a therapist. Where do I go? Because I asked my primary care physician and that didn't oh, go well. We have the same <laughs> we have the same primary care. care. <laughs> and that didn't go well because he just threw things out there that didn't match. But what what are your suggestions? So I guess it depends on the person what they're looking for. Okay. So if you want to use your insurance, I would say first go through your insurance. So okay. go through so if you have Kaiser, go through Kaiser, see what they have to offer out of network, because Kaiser is a bit of a mess right now uh-huh. i know everyone knows that at least here um but <laughs> my fiance has kaiser Leah's like i didn't say anything <laughs> so i guess like you can ask them for an out-of-network list of providers that accept your your insurance and start with that now okay. is that list updated i don't know that is a that is an eight magic eight ball question. Mm. <laughs> Good luck and Godspeed. And I know that sounds really crappy, but 
this is how bad it is. John Oliver, I don't know if you guys know who that is. Mm-mm. I literally have HBO just so I can watch, watch John last Oliver. week tonight. Yeah, John he, Oliver. Last week, he did a whole segment on how bad it is right now. Oh, wow. The mental health and insurance and how people are trying to use their insurance because they can't afford private pay therapy. Mm-hmm, right. And he did a whole 30-minute segment on it. Yeah. And wow. because those lists, he even talked about those lists. They're not up to date. So you're mm. a provider. Wow. You know, you call your insurance right. provider. I'm looking for a therapist. Right. They give you a list, but half of that list could be retired. They could not take what? your insurance anymore. And mm. or they might even be dead. Oh, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not kidding. I got a list from my insurance company called all the mental health providers on it. Nobody called me back. Oh, that happened to me. <sighs> called my insurance company, said, hey, because at first I was just I went off the website. Yeah. Called the insurance company, asked them to send me a list. And they did. And they said, let them know that you got the number from your insurance company. So when I called and left message, called the same people back and said, I got your number from my insurance company. Then I got called back. You're kidding me. Wow. Yeah. But I understand because if you already have a full practice and you're either not accepting insurance or you are accepting insurance, or I mean, I, I, and they probably get a ton of calls a day. You kind of have to filter like, A, what do I have the capacity for? And and B, is do- it an insurance client? Because yeah. the other issue with insurance is they sometimes don't pay a therapist enough for their time. Right. They also mm. don't pay for the paperwork and all the other administrative stuff that it takes on our end. So they pay for that one hour of therapy. And that also is not a guarantee. They may pay for five sessions or 10 sessions and that's it. So, but again, that's what's so complicated and why our, our mental health system in that regard is broken. Right. So I don't mean to any like dissuade the audience right now from reaching out, but yeah. try, try that first. Okay. Get that list and absolutely say, my my insurance told me to call you yeah. because you are on a list. It's a magical list. Please call me back. Right? Like that's the hope. Yeah. Right? If that doesn't work, the other option... My favorite go-to is psychologytoday.com. Okay. I yes. mean, it's I super basic. you told me about them. Yeah. But they're an amazing little kind of a Google search filter, mm-hmm. right? You can put in your area code. You can put in how far you're willing to travel mileage-wise. Right. I think I've used it before. Yeah. yeah. And you can look at a list of different types of therapists. You can see their pictures. If they have videos, you can read their bios. You can yes. see what their yes. specialties are I was going to say, I side. think, yeah, I think that's how I actually found my current, um, well, psychiatrist yeah. who – um, I've had hit and miss yeah. things with their with their therapist, but um, that's how I found them. And and yeah, I was able to go through and, and see like Kinda okay, see they special like ADHD mm-hmm. or they special in this sort of background or this right, sort yeah. of trauma yeah. and parenting. I thought, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's very helpful, and it can. And so you can also use the the filter section and to literally weed out the ones that you're looking for. I'm going to link them in our notes, Yeah, if you want a male therapist, if Mm -hmm. you want a female therapist. Oh, great. If you want um, someone that specializes in the LGBTQ plus, right, they have that. Like, you can even put vegan, y'all. Like, (laughs) wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Same with, like, veterans or first responders. So it's it's very much, like, geared for clients looking for someone that will literally match them the other part of that is even if you get a list that matches them you still got to do the work of the vibe check so call Mm -hmm. ask for the 15 minute consultation see if you like them on the phone then that goes to if you can't use insurance unfortunately is private pay yeah and so 
The benefits of private pay is obviously there There may or may not have to be any paperwork. You may or may not have to have a diagnosis unless you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And some people don't want a diagnosis. Some people just want to go to talk. Right. And that could also be a dissuader factor for some is like, I've especially cancer, like all these yeah. diagnoses and all these treatments and I all this. I want another and diagnosis. And yeah. they may want something a little bit more free form where right. they can walk in, just talk and leave. Right. That's what you can do in private practice okay. most of the time because there's yeah. not a paperwork trail. There's not asking for anyone to uh, like grant me more sessions or right. things like that. Right. And it and it can feel um, a little bit more freeing. Okay. They have more autonomy or control over right. it. And I've had some clients very particularly want private over like insurance yeah. kind of thing. But um, yeah, so those are those two options that I know of. Okay, mm-hmm. I really like that. The other basic one, sorry to add, but just Google. Yeah. Therapist near me, and it'll probably pop up like whatever therapist is advertising that month or yeah. whatnot. But you could also go through there. Um, and do your checks. Do your checks. Do your vibe checks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We really appreciate you being here today. Yeah, this has been so informative. We'd love to have you come back again sure. and talk yes, more. Thank you for your sharing your expertise. We, yeah, we've got lots, lots to unload with you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm so glad I could be here and yeah. chat for a few, I don't even know how few hours. I feel like it's gone by really quickly. <laughs> this is really fun. Yeah, like well, that. thank you so much. And we just really appreciate your insight and being here with us today and just putting that out there for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. thank you again. And thank you listeners for coming back and listening to Ariel this week. And if you have any topics that you would like us to cover, please feel free to send those to podcasts at weareyoursupport.com. And follow us on all of our social media and all of your podcasting platforms. Leave us a beautiful five-star review and a kind, some kind words. And join us next week for our our spotlight series. We will see you guys then. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. We are your support. Thank Thank you for talking cancer. cancer.